0: Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and we're speaking with Deborah Frinke. Dr. Frinke is Chief Scientist for Cybersecurity at the National Security Directorate at the Pacific Northwest National Laboratories in Richland, Washington. That's part of the Department of Energy. Welcome, Dr. Frinke.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Eric. It's really nice to be here and speaking with you and your listeners.
0: Tell us a bit about the Cybersecurity Research Program at Pacific Northwest National Labs.
1: The Cybersecurity Research Program at the Pacific Northwest National Labs is actually divided into several different pieces, and I'll start with the one that I'm most familiar with, and and that's the one that involves our open research. What we have is an internal investment of about $2 million a year in security that's intended to move the nation, the Department of Energy in particular, but also the nation, from a catch-and-patch mentality to more of a proactive, predict, prepare, prevent mentality, and so we're looking at activities that will help us allow systems to be safer and more secure by using a more a
0: proactive approach. That's interesting you mentioned proactive. I was speaking with a Cornell University professor who testified before Congress or earlier this month where he said that the problem we face today in cybersecurity is that we tend to be too reactive, that we patch things and we're not thinking as maybe the attackers are thinking, although he says that's quite a challenge. Is that quite a challenge to try and devise uh, methods to think like a uh, attacker?
1: yes it is the hard part of course is that an attacker just needs to find one weakness or one person who makes a mistake or one poorly set up system or one way to get in that nobody ever would have thought of like the the folks that break into garage doors by using antifreeze on the locks. It just takes one creative approach or one accident to get into a system. The defender has to get it right all the time, 24-7. And so being proactive isn't as easy as it sounds. But I agree with your other speaker. Most of our difficulties nowadays are that we keep trying to patch existing systems and the nature of them, it's so hard to keep up with the patches, it's been hard to get investment in those longer range approaches, which are really what are required if we're ever going to change the current status quo.
0: Is there a way to somehow explain how to be proactive in a sense? So how does thinking have to change to be able to come up with the ideas to not just react?
1: One needs to make changes on several levels. First, the mindset has to Change about security. Many modern systems, probably most, were not designed with security and the usable security at that in mind. So even if security is added up front, it tends to be so difficult for the users that they don't like to use it, like passwords that are so long that you have to write them all down and stick them on a sticky note on your computer. From the beginning, from the very design stage, one needs to consider security that's usable by the community that intends to make their system more secure. The second thing a person has to do is to think more carefully, Carefully about what it is that you're going to secure a computer against. I don't believe anyone thinks that it's going to be possible to think through all possible attacks that can happen to a computer. That's not what we're proposing. But we are proposing a more thoughtful design of systems. So that if you know a computer that's never been worked in a network is going to be connected to a network, there's a lot of attacks we understand that are coming across the network, and we can take a look at the defenses of that individual computer to see if it can meet those challenges. And similarly, if an organization suddenly changes its business model and becomes more attractive to identity theft or um, is... Try to protect something more valuable, it needs to look at its defenses, too, against the well-known attacks. So a lot of it sounds like common sense that we tend not to invest in up front.
0: At your labs, how do you identify what areas of cybersecurity research to pursue?
1: What we do in our lab when we're thinking about which research areas to pursue is begin with our primary sponsor, the Department of Energy. And for instance, in the research program that I'm leading now, what we did is we thought about what are all the research activities that other agencies and other national labs were engaging in. I actually set up a little table of those things and then thought about what if all of those research projects are successful? What's left that's most important? Coming back to this goal of a safer and more secure Department of Energy and Nation in a proactive approach, and we began with those, and I identified four different areas of investment, and those are the ones that we're pursuing with our internal investments now.
0: What are those areas?
1: We call them predictive defense, adaptive systems, cyber analytics, and trustworthy engineering. Predictive defense is the act of taking prediction or thinking ahead, and Tying that to defensive actions. What we often find is that people will pursue what they think of as situational awareness or situational understanding. So you'll understand, you may understand what's about to go wrong, but if you don't think about the defensive actions you plan to take at the same time where you're looking for faults in advance, all you're going to get, as I like to say, is a headache. You're not going to be able to achieve anything that's new. So predictive defense is the act of thinking ahead and thinking about which actions you can take. Adaptive systems are tied to the study of cybersecurity that lets you react flexibly and not necessarily with a human directly in the loop. Nowadays, the cyber threat is so fast that when a, an attacker discovers or decides to utilize a flaw in a system, they can begin in one place and circle the globe in less than 10 minutes. And that's been shown by many researchers that the worms in particular and the botnets can travel very, very rapidly. And so if you're going to combat a threat of that type, You need to have systems that are resilient, as we like to say, that can adapt to the threat in such a way that they can respond to these very rapid-moving threats. Still with human guidance, but the guidance often has to be in advance and in terms of thinking ahead what you'd like a system to do in the face of a threat. The third area is cyber analytics, and that's one we've just begun to make some investments in in our research for cybersecurity. Cyber analytics is, just broadly speaking, the collection of all the different activities that you need to take if you want to understand what's going on in your environment. Cyber analytics includes looking at traditional network traffic to see if you can identify a threat. but It also involves taking advantage of non-traditional data, information perhaps about what's going on in the world. Are two nations potentially at war? You might want to look a little differently then if you see interactions between those countries. Trustworthy engineering, now, we haven't directly invested in that through the research, but it's an area we hope to expand in. And the idea behind trustworthy engineering is to start to look at all the different elements of a system from three perspectives. One, how can you make them operate in a trustworthy manner, even if you can't trust every element of them? So in other words, an opponent has gained some access to your system. What parts of it can you still trust? The second part of it has to do with making it resilient uh, in ways that might not involve adaptation. And The third has to do with evaluation or scientifically valuable security, and that's one that I I think that
0: we'll begin with first. Some of the solutions I hear from you and other IT security experts go back to the very basic structure of the infrastructure being designed, the enterprise architecture. Obviously, if you could start building in security there, things are better off, but we're living in a legacy world. How do you balance those two?
1: Well, I agree with you. i I'm wholeheartedly sympathetic with the clean slate approach. It would be much nicer if we could begin by designing all systems to be secure from the onset and have everybody operate them properly according to those principles. But of course, if we could count on that, we wouldn't have people breaking in at all. (laughs) And so it would be a moot point. Um, But what we see is important is to begin to understand what it is you can trust about a system and then build out from there. And that's where our fourth bullet starts to come into play. Which parts of a system can you build to be trustworthy, whether it's the software or the hardware, and then once you have a firm foundation, what things can you rely upon from that starting point? Now, the hope is, of course, that if you begin to infuse security, and if this becomes a market advantage, or if it becomes an advantage to a state that's seeking to protect itself, thinking of a nation state here, then people will begin to use those more secure components. But I think we do have to just assume that there will always be some elements of the system that are not trustworthy. Both the people and the components will be working from infusion and trying to make our security as usable and as secure as possible, but not assume that everything will be working perfectly the way that we planned.
0: How basic is research conducted at your labs, or are you looking for specific solutions?
1: Something I like about our laboratory is that we go from the very most basic research on to some of the most applied research that you could name, and implementation and development as well. On the basic side, we're looking at some of the mathematical principles behind prediction. What are the mathematics that it takes to do prediction? We're looking at what are the mathematics one might use to bring to bear on the evaluation question. If you were comparing two very large infrastructures one to another and trying to decide whether one was more secure than the other, How is it that you would do that? And and one way is to take a look at mathematical sets and do some comparisons at that level. On the other side, and and not necessarily in my project, but in the people that we have that work with the energy grid, we have folks that are trying to look at smart chargers and decide how to make those implement them so that they're more secure. And they're looking at some fundamental protocols and also how to do better jobs of building software. So that's more applied research. And then we have what I like to call the field researchers. Those are the people that take a look at what's really going out there in the wild world of cybersecurity and observing the networks to see what kinds of malicious threats are going on. And that's also research and can also be either open or closed. It tends
0: to be more applied. Well, I've been chatting with Deborah Frinke, Chief Scientist for Cybersecurity at the Department of Energy's Pacific Northwest National Laboratories in Richland, Washington. Uh, Thanks, Deborah.
1: Thank you, Eric.
0: This is Eric Chabro for the Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.